Lowry on the way. Good! Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. This crowd has erupted. Welcome to Fear the Fro, a podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. Yes, a special weekend edition. And you know what that means. That means a victory. I'm Bob Schmidt. Your host, lifelong Cavs fan, voice of Fox Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, at FearTheFroPod. Throwing myself a little party. Celebrating mightily, because there was a lot to celebrate throughout this Cavs game. Now, it may have looked bleak early on, but I don't hate the Pacers like I hate several other teams. The fact that they're so young, and I haven't seen this particular roster of guys give the Cavs fits. It's not like the Raptors, a team that seems to have the Cavs numbers. It's not the Nets, made up of a guy who basically cost the Cavs two finals, and another guy who cost the Cavs their contention window. It wasn't one of those teams where somebody just gets a favorable whistle the whole night. And I guess you could make the argument that Matherin got a favorable whistle, but he did not get a superstar whistle. That is a different thing. But tonight, what we saw from the Cavs was the Cavalanche, was the explosion of offense in a short span of time, and that is what the Cavs gave us in the fourth quarter And it was needed after some just rough collapses in the last week to two weeks here where we have just seen the intensity disappear for long stretches of the game and the turnovers start piling up. Not tonight, though. Tonight, the Cavaliers with zero turnovers in the fourth quarter. We've all seen the graphic floating around showing that over the last, what was it, 10 days, 10 games, the Cavs have the worst offense in the league and the best defense. It's the Kirk Goldsberry team efficiency infographic, one which I love, by the way. But tonight, we saw an offensive explosion when we most needed it. The Cavaliers outscored the Pacers in the final quarter, 35-18. to 18. Now consider this. This was a night of statistical feats. Donovan Mitchell dominating the headlines in a game where the Indiana Pacers scored just 18 points in the fourth quarter. Donovan Mitchell himself had a season high in fourth quarter scoring with 18 points of his own, matched the entire Pacers roster in fourth quarter scoring. And that 17-point advantage in the final quarter is what led to the Cavaliers to holding on to the best home record in a tie with the Memphis Grizzlies, 13-2, to a second straight win to what could be an exceptionally successful home court stand here where we take on the Mavericks, where we'll face the Jazz. And then, just slightly down the horizon, the Milwaukee Bucks come into town in a game that the Cavs are desperately looking for a victory in. After falling twice to the Milwaukee Bucks, this is their chance to get them on their home floor, fully healthy. And they're chasing them. They're two games back. By the time that game arrives, the Cavs could find themselves with a chance to tie or take the lead for the second seed. And I shouldn't be fixated on that, because what does that matter in the long run? We're still months away from the end of the season, but that is a team that's had our number. And in all the discussions by all the NBA talking heads, there is a clear distinction of who are the best teams in the league. There's Boston, there's Milwaukee, and then after that, it's debatable. I posted a poll on Twitter asking other Cavs fans who they think is the third best team, if you could not cast your vote for the Cavs. 
And as of now, it's a dead heat between the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. People do not fear the Phoenix Suns. They did not get any votes. And the Nuggets got some, but I would suspect tonight, after losing to the Los Angeles Lakers, you may see some people who don't consider them on the same level as those other squads yet. Quite yet. I think we can all acknowledge that the Cavaliers are not viewed in the same light that the Celtics and the Bucks are, and I want to change that. It's not enough that they just beat the Celtics in both the games that they played them, because that Celtics team is not the Celtics team that we're seeing now. Robert Williams III is back. The Bucks team is different. Chris Middleton is back. Nobody is going to take regular season wins as the be-all, end-all, but anything they can do to give themselves home court advantage, we are seeing how pivotal it is here. We win at home. The performances we get from certain players, much better at home. By the end of the season, I hope that we could iron out some of those issues. But in the meantime, we're at least getting to see some truly captivating performances from a lot of our favorite players. I would encourage you, if you want to hear a buffoon, to go back and listen to the podcast I posted following the Donovan Mitchell trade. And I myself am going to do that. I'm going to go back and grab clips because one of the things that I think it's important to acknowledge is when I'm just a fucking idiot. And I think it's enjoyable sometimes to listen to your failures. And how else can you get better, you know? Like I would hope that Benedict Matherin goes back tonight after this game and he looks at that moment where he decided he was going to step to Donovan Mitchell. I hope that he would watch that moment. He would bury his face in his palms and say, why am I so stupid? I caused this. This is my fault. Then he'll cut himself for an appropriate amount of time because how else can you learn a lesson if there's not scars to remind you? And then Benedict will say, Benedict, no. I am not, in fact, on the level of a Donovan Mitchell and I should pay that man the goddamn respect that the NBA.com MVP letter has not, leaving him outside the top 10. And for the record, this is why the NBA MVP award tracker at basketballreference.com is better. Because it recognizes that Donovan Mitchell is eighth. It has him above Steph Curry, who will be out for an extended period of time. But you know who it doesn't put into this list in the top 10 that I've seen these other ones do? Devin Booker. Devin Booker, whose numbers are worse, whose efficiency is worse, and whose team is worse. How the fuck does that happen? That whole city has been besmirched by allowing Jay Crowder to wear their uniform. I don't want to hear a peep about Devin Booker outperforming Donovan Mitchell this year. As of right now, during this podcast, I will smugly state that that is a false take. So back to the Donovan acquisition. While I agree with a lot of the sentiments I had then, I think the main thing that I definitely did not give Donovan Mitchell enough credit for was the impact that he could have beyond just statistics. Because the way in which he scores, the way in which he chooses to assert himself and when, that is something I could not appreciate until I truly saw it. Everybody knew, okay, he's had huge playoff performances. He's performed well in the most important times. But seeing it on this team with this much talent in the roster, and there's still such a clear delineation between Donovan Mitchell and everyone else on our squad, Mobley, Garland, Allen, Mitchell is the one that you just feel trust in already. And it's only been a third of the season, basically. So any reservations I had in regards to does he warrant the type of compensation that we sent his way? I've seen enough. Three 40-point games, three eight three-pointer games, and monster performances on big national stages against the Boston Celtics, against the LA Lakers. This guy puts up volume 
and he does it efficiently. And I realize he's at career highs for all these numbers. Is there a chance that some of that wanes? Sure. But I kind of think that he can keep this up. Lamar Stevens, I spent the whole last podcast blowing that man from for going from zero points to 18 and 11. And he was right back to uh, zero points again tonight. But we got away with it. And part of that is because Osmond returned. He gave us 10 points in the first half. He was huge. It wasn't just the Donovan Mitchell show. Donovan Mitchell, yes, he did several things. We spoke about the 18-point fourth quarter where he missed just one shot, five of six from the floor. We spoke about the third game of the season where he's hit at least eight three-pointers. And it was his third 40-point scoring effort. This man is dialed in. There is seemingly no place that you can steer him towards on the floor where he's not able to create his own look. Darius Garland, to his credit, in a matchup between two guys who have been discussed as there's a lot of debate as to who is the starting backcourt for the East, for the All-Stars. There are a tremendous amount of good forwards. You have Kevin Durant, you have Giannis, you have Jason Tatum, you have Siakam. But what about the guards? Donovan Mitchell is a shoe-in. But after that, we're talking about Halliburton. We're talking about Garland. We're talking about Trey Young. There's people trying to pigeonhole Jalen Brown in, even though he's technically a forward. There is a chance that Halliburton or Garland could be competing for, well, really, kind of the first guard off the bench. Because the fan vote... I would say there's a good chance the fan vote is going to push Trey Young in, even if he's undeserving of it. But if we're talking about truly who are the two best guards in the Eastern Conference thus far through the first portion of this season, Donovan Mitchell would be a shoe-in to start if it was based on performance. And then the second guy, I think you're debating, well, are we talking about Halliburton? Are we talking about Garland? Are we talking about Trey Young, DeJounte Murray? Those are kind of the options. And Garland held his own tonight. After what has been a stretch of games where he has not performed his best, he finished the evening with 20 points, 6 rebounds, 10 assists. And Halliburton, while impressive, 17 points, 14 assists. Late in the game, Halliburton did little to nothing. In the fourth quarter, Tyrese Halliburton did not make a basket. He made two free throws in the final quarter. That was it. An efficient player most of the season, a guy flirting with high 40s, nearly 40% from three. He went 0 for 8 from range tonight. The leading scorer, the leading trips to the free throw line guy was Benedict Matherin. That is a very promising backcourt, but in a battle between the backcourt of tomorrow, Halliburton and Matherin, and the backcourt of right now, we saw Mitchell and Garland combine for 61 versus Halliburton and Matherin, who combined for just 39 points. They're not on the same level as our boys. And Karis LeVert, can we talk about him for a moment? 12 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. There is one particular play which stood out to me. The Cavaliers find themselves leading with a minute 20 left. 115-112. Darius Garland has the ball. He isos Buddy Heald. He gets him to around the foul line. He fakes the shot. Heald goes up and he does his step through slide under floater but the shot misses now that shot had it been rebounded from the pacers that could have set up a tying three-pointer but instead karis lavert comes streaking in from the three-point line on the left side corrals the rebound gets a shot clock reset allows the Cavs to retain possession of the ball during that possession mitchell got fouled 
they ended up stretching the lead to five, 117-112. And with less than a minute left, that was enough. They held on to win by six. It was his biggest offensive rebound of the season. And this was in a quarter. Of his seven rebounds, five came in the fourth quarter. This is not Jared Allen. This is not Evan Mobley. This is our new star sixth man, thriving in that role and playing big when we needed him. And speaking of huge fourth quarter plays, how about Evan Mobley banging down the corner three-pointer? And he knocks down the three-pointer that cuts the lead to just one. After that, Mitchell hit the three-pointer. The Cavs took their first lead of 112-110 in the final quarter, and they never gave it up after that. And now we're looking at a Cavs team which has momentum. A Cavs team which has seen Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and Karis LeVert all show up on the same evening, not to mention Osman. We get that kind of play from the backcourt, we're going to win more games. Our offense is going to get better. It has been hit or miss. Two of the three guys will succeed, and then one will struggle. Tonight, one notable struggle, that was Lamar Stevens. And Jared Allen had a quiet night statistically, but I didn't find him to be a negative, really. I just don't think he was that involved in the offense. There wasn't a lot of pick and rolls where he got to finish or lobs. They just they didn't materialize tonight. And part of that may be because Miles Turner is a very effective rim protector, but he had zero blocks tonight. A man who is one of the more intimidating shot blockers league-wide, that was not there for him tonight. Fantastic Cavalier win and another feather in the cap of Donovan Mitchell, hopefully one which will garner him a little bit more respect amongst the MVP prognosticating community because while it doesn't mean anything, ultimately the most important thing is for the Cavs to be playing their best basketball when the playoffs roll around still. I don't want to see this kind of disrespect. The Mavs just need better shooting from the outside and that game is a lot more nerve-wracking than the one we saw the other evening. So, This has been a brief Fear the Fro podcast. I'm sorry. It's a Friday night. My wife is sitting upstairs. She told me I'm elusive, which is basically, that's a giant fuck you to me. That's not a positive way of describing one's husband, elusive. It sounds sounds sinister, except that she knows I'm in the basement talking to nobody about basketball. In any case, thank you for listening to the Fear the Fro podcast. I appreciate all of you who have listened to and subscribed and rated the podcast. I do not take it for granted. This has been a fun ride, and it's going to get even better because we got a lot of home games. So more Fear the Fro on the way shortly. This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.